welcome. Thank you for listening. We're currently working our way through the book of Joshua, celebrating the God who keeps every promise he has ever made. If you're in the Milwaukee area and you're looking for a church home, we'd love to meet you. You can connect with us more through our website, harvestcommunity.org. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, to the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give to them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn for it, turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate it on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord has give, God has given you to inherit. Joshua said to the Rumanites, the Gadites, and the half of the tribe of Manasseh, Remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, The Lord your God will give you rest, and he will give you this land. Your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but your best soldiers must cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest and he has given you, and they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on the east side of the Jordan. They answered Joshua, everything you have commanded us, we will do, and everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. Certainly, the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. So the word of the Lord, amen. You can be seated. Elsa, thank you for leading us in worship today. So good. She chose all the songs this morning, put the service together, and I just felt like from the very beginning, each song was perfectly placed. And if you didn't see it yet, you will by the end of this text that we are the people of the risen King Jesus. And this morning, he is calling us to follow him 
Everywhere he wants us to go and in everything he calls us to do, he wants us to obey. Jesus Christ is calling us this morning to go. The worship service has reflected that. And the sermon really is just a continuation of the worship service. I, I, I really resist the way of talking about a church service as like the worship and then the sermon. The whole thing from gathering this morning on the way in through the doors till we leave together with God's good word is worship. And this portion is an act of worship. It's such a privilege for me uh, to bring the word of God this morning. Um, And I hope it is an act of worship for you to sit under, not my teaching, but to sit under the word of God with the spirit of God as your guide. I know for me, there is no place I would rather be than here at Harvest singing these songs and diving into Joshua with you all this morning. Let's pray for God's help. God, I thank you for this place. We thank you for Elsa and the worship team, the work that's been done so far leading us. I ask that as we go into the book of Joshua, you would give us power through your Holy Spirit to see what you want us to see and power through your Holy Spirit to go stronger from this place, not discouraged, but courageously because you are with us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I asked Heather this morning to read all of chapter one. We're not going back through all of chapter one, um, but two things. Some of you might just be joining us last week or this morning into our Joshua series. This is the third sermon into the book of Joshua that we will be all the way till spring of 2024. We're finishing chapter one this morning. But to really understand what we're going to be talking about today, you need the context. You see, in chapter one, we find the people of God outside of the promised land at a bit of a standstill just east of the Jordan River. I'll put a map up here. The Jordan River flows north to south, as do most rivers, according to Pastor Jeff, right before the service. He's quite knowledgeable with um, rivers. I was impressed. (laughs) So you see the river going down the map to the south into the Dead Sea where it ends. To the east where you see it says Gad, Reuben to the right of the Dead Sea, and then Gad just to the north. East, we'll discuss that at length in a little bit. Um, But what's important for you to know is that the people of God are outside of the promised land, which is west towards the Mediterranean Sea on the other side of the Jordan River. They are to the east of it, where they have been uh, since the death of Moses. Joshua 1 finds them at a standstill here. But God loves the people right where they are, east of the Jordan River. He he, he is faithful to them as he always has, steadfast in his love and forgiveness and patience and his presence is mighty with them, but God has bigger plans for them. So God loves them right, right where they're at, east of the Jordan, but he has big plans and desires for them in a westward direction. We'll see here this morning right out of the gate that our God has this magnificent ability. God has the ability to love us fully as we are, 
but yet he possesses a desire to move past where we are toward what he has for us. You see, God loves us fully as we are. That should induce a security that in God's grace, you can go ahead and put that up, Cheryl. God has the ability to love us right where we are fully, but yet he has a desire to move us out past where we are. Uh, sometimes we get these, these wrong as the people of God. Um, when we only talk about how God loves us right where we are, we often get sleepy in our faith into like a sort of cheap grace, like God doesn't care about what we actually do or where we're going. It is true that God loves us fully as we are, but he has his desire to move us out past where we are to the things that he has for us. And that is important to move from security into action. That is the movement of the book of Joshua. You see, if you only, though, get teaching, which some people call missional teaching, if you get forward-moving movement that you need to go out past where you are without the security, you get into a religious legalism that is pervasive in many churches, including the one uh, that I grew up in, which just really left me with the impression that God was very dissatisfied with me, uh, very unhappy with where I was at, but yet if I would move out to something greater, God would then be happy. The, The movement of Joshua is that God tells Joshua, I will be with you. I will never leave you or abandon you. Now, be strong and courageous and go. And this is the message that Joshua is bringing to the people. And this is the message that God has for you this morning. In verses one through nine, which were covered in the past two weeks, the Lord, the the name specifically in Hebrew there is Yahweh, the personal name of God, representing his faithfulness to his people. He was speaking directly to Joshua. After the death of Moses, God made promises to Joshua in the opening verses that we just covered. In every place your foot treads, I will give to you. Every place your foot treads, I will give to you and I will be with you and I won't leave you or abandon you. And because of this, Joshua is commanded to be strong and courageous. This morning, as we finish chapter one, we will go to verses 10 through 18. And here Joshua speaks for the first time. So we've heard the Lord speaking for nine verses to uh, Joshua. We can be done with that that map now. Thank you. Um, In verses one through nine, we've heard the Lord speaking to Joshua. uh, But now we're going to hear Joshua speaking directly to the people. It's important to see this movement this morning because it'll all come together, God willing, at the end. Um, Joshua is being obedient to the Lord who's calling him to be strong and courageous. And Joshua in obedience is then going to the people and speaking to the people. And their response is going to be courage and boldness and complete obedience. So we have a pattern here where the Lord comes to Joshua and says, I will be with you, be strong and courageous and go. And now in verse 10, where we're about to dive into this morning, in the the remainder of chapter one, Joshua will go to the people and he will then give them instruction and their response should be a boldness, a courage and confidence in the Lord and a complete obedience. So let's dive right in. Verses 10 
and 11, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go, get ready. You'll be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you to inherit. Go and get ready. One scholar on this passage, Richard Hess, helps us understand this. All activities for the rest of the book, the rest of the book of Joshua, which we will be in, God willing, for some time together, uh, will be understood in the light of this phrase. All, he says, all other activities are understood in the light of this movement, this command, this direction. Go, get ready, cross the Jordan, and inherit the land that I have for you. In verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. Look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. That has to be one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, verse 11, go. Who are these officers of the people? Well, going way back to Exodus chapter 18, after Moses was able to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt and across the Red Sea and Moses and the people were journeying through the wilderness towards the promised land, Moses got a visit from his father-in-law. His father-in-law Jethro comes to him in Exodus chapter 18 and what I love about this story, I actually, um, it was interesting how things align. I was reading this in my own personal devotions um, as I was preparing uh, for this sermon and in chapter 18, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is treated with great respect and regard and speaks into Moses' life in a very important area. He said, Moses, you're going to get burnt out leading all these people. These people are coming to you with every single problem they have. You're just going to get worn out. You need to appoint people over the people. You need to lead with and through other people. So we see a a model of leadership in Exodus chapter 18 from Moses' father-in-law that would impact generations to this very day and shows up here in Joshua chapter 1 that Joshua leads and speaks through the officers of the people. Joshua is leading in the tradition that began with Moses and a visit from his father-in-law. I love that valuable piece of, of information. I have a father-in-law who's taught me uh, many things as well. Not necessarily about leading with and through other people, but I did learn how to fish with him starting when I was 16 years old. I learned how to run a chainsaw with my father-in-law. Learned how to butcher a deer with my father-in-law and build a proper fire with my father-in-law. So I am better for my father-in-law's advice. And so when I came to Exodus chapter 18, I, I, I love how Moses, he's like, he's not like cringing, like, oh, my father-in-law is going to give me this advice that I got to take. He, he's, he's, he welcomes and honors his father-in-law in, and his father-in-law is like, Moses, you are going to get burnt out trying to lead this nation by yourself. Appoint leaders. And so here in Joshua chapter one, it's still set up that Joshua has leaders over the people. And so when he needs to, in obedience to God, go command the people to go in and take the land. He goes to the officers of the people. Joshua is leading with and through people. 
And here's what he says in verse 11. Go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. Go in and possess. Get ready, prepare, go in and possess. This actually reminds us of the instructions given by Moses before they left Egypt. There was going to be some preparation, some things that they were going to be taking with them out of Egypt before they would go and eventually cross the Red Sea. Here in Joshua, under Joshua's leadership, he says, go, prepare. You're going to be crossing the Jordan River to possess what the Lord has promised you. Let's continue on. You're going to go in and possess rest. Verses 12 through 15. So you see here in verses 12 through 15, Joshua leads the people by bringing the word of God to the people. Just as Joshua is obeying God by leading the people, he is calling upon the people to obey the word of God. You see, there's this important sequence here. Joshua receives the word of the Lord and obeys, and he goes to the people, and here's the first thing that Joshua does. He gives them the word of God and asks them to obey the word of God. What is this word of God? It's in verse 13. Remember What Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest and he will give you this land. You see, Numbers chapter 32 and Deuteronomy 3 verses 18 through 20 provide a rich context for verses 12 through 15. When uh, Heather was reading the scripture for us, maybe it took you off guard when you heard uh, three tribes, two and a half to be exact, mentioned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. What are these tribes doing? I thought he went to the officers of the people and he was just going to speak to the whole nation of Israel and tell them to cross uh, west over the Jordan River and take and possess the land. Why are, why are two and a half tribes? I was puzzled by this when I, when I first started reading. My habit is in preparing for a sermon to just read the text. I read it in multiple translations and sitting reading with it. It wasn't ringing a bell until I went to Numbers chapter 32 and then Deuteronomy 3, 18 through 20. We'll look at one of those passages, the shorter one, Deuteronomy 3, 18 through 20. This is Moses speaking. And here's what Moses says. I commanded you at that time, the Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your valiant men will cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers, the Israelites. Verse 19, but your wives, dependents, and livestock, I know that you have a lot of livestock, will remain in the cities I have given you until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. Almost a direct quote. And they also take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan. Then each of you may return to his possession that I have given you. All right, buckle up for like two minutes And let me give you the context for this so that we can truly appreciate verses 12 through 15. In Numbers and Deuteronomy, both part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, the books that are considered the book of the law, the word of God that Joshua was bringing to the people from Numbers and Deuteronomy, uh, a dilemma is recorded and instructions are given. Here's the dilemma. If we could go to the map, 
on this map, you will see that as Moses sat with, this is where the 12 tribes of Israel, if you didn't know that, there's, the nation of Israel was divided into 12 tribes. This is where they eventually settled. East of the Dead Sea, you see Reuben. To the north, Gad. To the north of that, East Manasseh, half the tribe of Manasseh. These are the tribes being discussed in Joshua 1, 12 through 15, referenced in Numbers 32 and Deuteronomy chapter 3. These two and a half tribes came to Moses, obviously while Moses was still alive, and they said, Moses, we actually like it here. We know that everybody's on this journey to go into the promised land, but to our eyes and our livestock, we're thriving here and we are perfectly content to settle east of the Jordan River here. And Moses, in his God-given wisdom, sees a problem. You see, Moses was supposed to lead all the people of God in unity by the word of God into the promised land. And this is actually the burden that's been given to Joshua now to lead all the people of God by the word of God in unity to the promised land. And Moses, in his wisdom, saw something that you're probably seeing right now. If you hive off two and a half out of 12 tribes, well, those of you in school probably think I'm about to give a story problem or getting like starting to tune me out or have anxiety swell. I don't, I, I, I'm horrible at math and I won't even go there. Um, two and a half tribes staying behind to do a job that 12 tribes are supposed to do. Picture this. The brave fighting men that are supposed to go in with their brothers and conquer the promised land finally, two and a half out of the 12 tribes would stay behind because we're good. This would cause a massive rift in the nation of Israel in division, wouldn't it? So what Moses told them, recorded in Numbers 32 and what we read, Deuteronomy 3, 18 through 20, is he said, no, your able-bodied fighting men must go over until all the brothers have rest in the land that you enjoy with your cattle. Until everyone has that rest, you must strive alongside in battle with your brothers. He said, your wives and your children and your cattle can stay behind east of the Jordan River. And when the job is done, west of the Jordan in the promised land, you then can return. And this is the result. Fast forward to the ending where the 12 tribes would settle. So back to our text, Joshua chapter one, verses 12 through 15. The burden that Joshua has for the people. He calls the officers, but then specifically, he says to these two and a half tribes, listen, I need to remind you of the word of God, the inspired word of God recorded by Moses. You need to go in alongside of your brothers until they have the rest that you have. Joshua had a desire to lead with the word of God for the unity of the people. This was Joshua's model of leadership. 
Verse 13, Joshua leads them with the word. Remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you. Verses 14 and 15, the result, you are to help your brothers until they have rest, until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you I like this note on rest. The ESV study Bible says this. Rest suggests freedom from threat, the enjoyment of one's inheritance, security within the borders of the land, and a state of all around well-being. It doesn't just mean a day off from work. This is a biblical definition of rest. It's going to be picked up in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter four. It is something that Jesus accomplishes and delivers for the believer. But I I wanted to give us a working definition of rest. And I thought this was helpful because this word is going to show up in our study of Joshua. Freedom from threat, the enjoyment of one's inheritance, security within the borders of the land, and a state of all around well-being. Let's go back to the map. The map of the 12 tribes, Reuben, Gad, East Manasseh, you've got land you're enjoying right now. We all went here together and you're enjoying land until Judah and Dan and Benjamin and Ephraim and West Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali and Asher until All of your brothers enjoy the rest, the security, the enjoyment of their inheritance, borders of land, and an all-around state of well-being. I want you to work and fight alongside of your brothers. So get ready, prepare, and go. Now let's look at the response to this. Verses 16 through 18 is the response of the people to this commandment. The response of the people is enthusiastic. It's an absolute expression of unity and complete obedience. They say, in everything we will obey, in everywhere you tell us to go, we will go. Look at verse 16. They answer Joshua, everything you have commanded us, we will do. Everywhere you send us, we will go. Verse 17, we will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. There is a complete response of obedience and unity to Joshua's leadership, which is what? Remember the word of God and go in unity until all have the rest that you have. And they respond, everywhere we go and in everything, we will obey. But they don't just stop there. It's like the affirmation and the response continues to grow and grow all the way through verse 18. They say, certainly the Lord your God will be with you, Joshua, as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command them will be put to death. When I read that, I was like, well, easy. You guys are getting excited. We want everybody to obey. Somebody yells from that, kill them all. They didn't do that. This actually plays out in the covenant when we come um, to Ai and we see what happens to Achan. We will see indeed that death is the result of disobedience. You know how I told you I read the passage just multiple times for the the first couple days of, of the week? 
I had a hard time believing who was speaking this at first. It says, above all, be strong and courageous. I'm like, who's speaking right now? Who do you think speaking? Above all, be strong and courageous. That, that's the people speaking back to Joshua. And so I want you to appreciate this. In chapter one, the preaching of the word of God comes full circle in such a beautiful way. The word of the Lord comes to Joshua and says, you're going to go and I will be with you. Be strong. In fact, in chapter one, four times be strong and courageous is said, but it's always said by the Lord. And here the fourth time it's spoken, it's spoken by the people of God to Joshua. It's complete ownership of this message and they're using it to affirm and encourage their leader. I want to go back to verse 17. The last half of 17, it says, certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Scholar David M. Howard Jr., that's how you know he's a scholar. He has a middle initial and a suffix. David M. Howard Jr., we assume Dr. David M. Howard Jr., claims a better translation of verse 18 in all seriousness is this, quote, only the Lord your God will be with you. I know that seems subtle, but, but listen to this again, okay? Here's what the, the Christian Standard Bible says. Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. A better translation of the Hebrew, this scholar suggests is this. Only the Lord your God will be with you. Here's what he says is the effect. Stick with me. Making it a fact, not just a well-wish. Let me demonstrate this. He's saying, as opposed to maybe the CSB and some other translations saying, and certainly the Lord your God will be with you. The people are very gravely in all seriousness saying, and the only thing that matters, Joshua, yeah, we'll obey you. We affirm your leadership and we'll obey. But Joshua, the only thing that matters is that God is with you. The only thing, and here we see the purpose of Joshua's name change unfold. You see, when his name was Hosea, his name meant salvation, as if it just related to him. But Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means God provides salvation. And so early in Joshua's leadership, right as he could have kind of been getting, gaining some confidence in leadership, he goes to the people and they respond enthusiastically with complete obedience. But then God uses the people to speak back to the leader and says, remember, only God's presence with you accomplishes God's purposes. You, Joshua, will not accomplish this. We won't, but God will. All our confidence is in him. All our hope is in him. Well, this morning, as much as I love Joshua, I love the whole book. I've loved reading the entire book. I love this chapter so far. I cannot stand here and make Joshua a hero. Even though he's a good model of leadership, I could teach on leadership this morning from Joshua. 
I can't tell you to follow Joshua. And I actually have no human, merely human example to suggest to you this morning. I have no celebrity pastor or conference or book by a human author to recommend to you to follow. I've got no new vision to bring to you, and I am certainly this morning not making the point of this passage following me. You see, Jesus Christ is the better Joshua. Jesus Christ was sent from God the Father and told us he was here to do his father's will. You remember the progression of Joshua chapter one, how, how Joshua heard directly from the Lord, here's what you are to do, and Joshua obeyed, and then Joshua went to the people. Well, look what Jesus himself said in John six thirty eight. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And Jesus did this perfectly. Even coming, building up to a point in Philippians 2, verse 8, where Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus is the leader who was completely and perfectly everywhere he went and in everything he did obedient to God, the lawgiver's will. Knowing that we never could. And if you've never heard this good news before, he became obedient unto death, even death on a cross for you to pay for your inability to please God. Before his death, he said things that were written down under the inspiration of God's spirit for us to hear this morning. You know how Joshua went to the people and he was concerned that they would lead, that they would follow the word of God in unity. The word of God in unity until everyone had rest, the same rest that they enjoyed. Follow me this morning. Jesus Christ was in the beginning with God. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the word. And Jesus Christ had such a passion for our unity. Unity's been criticized by people. Unity's been made to be this weak thing. Unity is a gospel-sourced, God-sized thing. And it is Jesus' desire for us here this morning. You know, Jesus said that they would know us by our love. Look at John 13, 35. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Who's? Everyone will know. He clarified. He ended up praying uh, to the Father, the high priestly prayer on not just the behalf of the disciples around him, but was very clear. I'm praying right here in John chapter 17 for all who would believe in me. John 17. Look at verses 20 through 23. I pray not only for these people right around me, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's you and me. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world 
may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus prayed this for you. Let us never, let us never criticize unity as some sort of weak man-centered thing. Unity is sourced and the word became flesh, Jesus Christ, and is accomplished by the good news that he died for us and made it possible for us to be one with one another and one with God for all of eternity. Christian unity is possible because of Jesus. And now as Jesus commissioned his disciples to go out, he says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. At every turn and everywhere he went, Jesus was obedient. Jesus was the word. And Jesus was passionate for his church's unity. And he promised us his presence and said, go and make. Jesus never said, run and hide. This morning as a church, we are being called to go and follow Christ. The elders have been praying and we believe that God is calling us as a church, Harvest Community Church here in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, to return to the passion we once had 32 years ago when this church was planted. This church had such a passion to reach not only Oak Creek, but the surrounding communities. But in our lifetime, at critical moments, we have turned in. Turned in and on one another. In the past year, God has worked some miracles. God brought us Pastor Jeff, who had such a passion for biblical, word-centered unity. And he's been preaching that message to us one-on-one -on -one and as a congregation. And I've been seeing this congregation respond. And I know in my heart, I have, in preparation to just preach this message, confessed to God that I need to return to that outward-going movement. We've experienced inward healing here. We need to turn out. I do not want Harvest to be a huddle of believers hiding from a big, bad world. Amen. There are plenty of churches people can go to all across Wisconsin where we can just take a brief reprieve from the world, over-disciple one, one another, feed, 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 get spiritually fed, spiritually fed, spiritually fed, spiritually fed, and never exercise like some sort of athlete thinking they can just like eat protein and eat all day and never work out, never practice. I've said it before. I hear Christians say I'm not being fed. I believe Christians in our day and age are overfed and under-exercised. 
And this passage is calling us not to follow a mere human being, but Jesus Christ risen from the dead, fully God and fully man, who said, go and make. Be strong and courageous. Fueled by the very presence of God, Jesus Christ is with us. And he wants us to go in unity with one another to the communities around us, to Oak Creek and these communities on the South Shore. Almost I could put a map up there of communities right around us and the word of God is telling us this morning that you know how the, you have rest you know how when you lay down your head on your pillow and you say God I'm thank you for my thankful for my relationship with you God thank you for uh, your presence with me today God is saying to you this morning until all the communities around you have the rest that you enjoy you are going to go in unity in response to the word of God alongside of your brothers and so to that end in the very power of God let us go Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us right where we're at. And we thank you that you are calling us to go somewhere we've never been. And we trust your spirit's power this morning to accomplish in us and through us your will in the communities around us. God, start something here at Oak Creek, in, at Harvest Community Church in Oak Creek that goes past these walls into the communities around us. God, get us going through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.